0: They can tell us we're crazy and we can say, well, you haven't seen anything yet. I do everything you know. was a
1: goddamn night. Put you up and explode. Like it's the fourth of tonight. Possessed by perfection. In this land, if you're awake, you're the enemy. Thank you. On se Don't look so torn. Open your eyes and the empire falls. gentlemen welcome back to the mental mastery alliance podcast today i have with us a fantastic guest a woman who um posted something online so captivating that i absolutely had to read it i spoke about this briefly uh on last episode or the one before uh it was quite possibly the longest thing that i have ever read and on not, not like Ever, I mean, I've read books and stuff. This was the longest thing I'd ever read on social media because we all know that social media you have an attention span of about seven seconds. Uh, and for me, I, I couldn't not, I couldn't keep, I couldn't stop reading. I just, I, I had to know more about this, and this really falls in line with the empowerment that we've been speaking of. You know, first how you know it's it's a crime to be a man, uh, based on society and based on this that that and the other thing, and how. We allow so much of what we do to be driven by either the thoughts of others, the energy of others, or, or the essence of others. Meanwhile, it's always been us who's had the final say, who's even allowed or, or entertained the thoughts of quote unquote others. It anyway, uh, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please uh, welcome to the show, Adrian T. You, your post and and your what you put up there. I, you know, I'm, I'm just, first of all, thank you for sharing it. Thank you for sharing it. And thank you for coming on the show.
0: Thank you. Happy to be here.
1: Excellent. Um, it's I, uh, yeah, like I said, I can't, you know, the way, the way you put it down. Um, I think my, my comment was how you wrote this literally put me in your shoes
0: mm-hmm. and,
1: and I was able to sort of feel what you were feeling and think what you were thinking. And um, it's fascinating Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about breast implants here. Um, the whole, I, I, I could explain it, but I think you should explain it better. Um, I guess let's start at the beginning. Why did you get them? And then I'll, I'll just, from there, I'll just let you run with your story because it's phenomenal and can only be said in your words. I, <laughs> I'll cut <laughs> up. that. <now. laughs>
0: hmm. Why did I get them? I think that's, it's a bit of a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Um, it roots down in feeling not good enough and feeling like you know answers are external mm-hmm. and we need to change ourselves. So we're we're kind of separate from who we are and we're observing what what is right, what we should be doing, and using our external stimuli to make the decisions of what's right for ourselves. Because at some point we don't feel like our decisions are valid. Um, so I got them because I felt that I was not pretty enough the way that I was. Now, mind you, I was pretty enough. I am pretty enough. I'm told all the time, but I didn't believe it. So somewhere, somehow, somebody might have told me that I wasn't good enough. And I stuck with that. And I ran with that. And that became my identity. Mm -hmm. So always looking for external things to change better makeup, better hair stuff. You know, we're bombarded with tons of marketing about how we should look, what we should do. And um, yeah, I felt like if I changed myself, I would be, I would feel better. I would look better when we feel good. When we look good, we feel good. You know, we have this... uh, idea of all these things that it's going to be better when in the future, this is going to happen, I will be better when I do this. And I will look better when I lose five pounds and constantly living in the future, doing all these things to manipulate ourselves and ignoring how we're feeling right now. Mm -hmm. And dealing with those emotions that are inside us that are leading us to make these insane decisions, but we're not Anchoring in ourselves. Right. We're letting the externals make these decisions for us. So if friends of mine were out doing it, oh, then I should do it too, because that's that's what we should be doing right now, you know, kind of keeping up with the Joneses situation. And um I was jealous of girls that had that had bigger boobs or that had smaller waists or that look better. And I was more athletic, so I didn't have that physique.
1: And where were you where were you in your life when you were having these thoughts? Like, how old are you?
0: Like the first, first time it ever happened. No, I I was little.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, you touched on something huge uh, and that's, you know, maybe somebody told me at some point. um, But I mean, the course of, of all of humanity, for the most part, there's, there's two motivating factors. If we feel we're not good enough, we'll do something to become better, Mm -hmm. which, which is technically growth, right? That's like, oh, you know, Mm -hmm. I can't run this fast. So I'm going to run faster. I can't lift that much. I'm going to lift more. Mm-hmm. that all that stuff makes sense. Um, and then that's where that's, that's human nature. So that's mm-hmm. how you grow. You know, you learn, you become better. Um, and then there's, then there's the, the bastardization of that, which is, you know, if I buy this makeup or if I, you know, I think one of my favorite quotes and, and you touched on it earlier too, again, you had mentioned, you know, while I was writing this, do I, you know, who, who am I going to offend? We'll get mm-hmm. onto that later. We were talking about mm-hmm. that pre, pre, uh, pre-show but I laugh because a lot of the stuff that I've done on this show, I, I was at the very beginning of the show. I was like, I don't really want to offend too many people, but at the same time, I want to show things. And you, what's that saying? You can't, you can't do something without cracking some eggs, can't make an omelet. Yeah. But, you know, the, the makeup industry for me, like when a man is insecure or whatever, but still has to go out, he puts on a ball cap and just heads out. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have the the makeup and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's out there now they're creating it, but one of my favorite jokes or, or lines, some, some article I read is like a Herman article or whatever, like a cartoon. She says, do I, how does my makeup look? He says, that depends. Are you going out for dinner or are you trying to kill the Batman? Oh <laughs> right. And I just <laughs> laugh because I'm like, that shit's funny. Yeah. And, but it's, it's society that says, you know, do this, do that, go more, go harder. And look at the main shows, right? The main shows are like keeping up with the Kardashians and the Real Housewives. Mm-hmm. People think this is reality. Yeah. And this is, this is one of the, the, the worst things. So when you're talking about you as a kid, you know, you have to think like, there's a little bit of that out there where somebody said something, but your childish mind took it a certain way and just blew it out of the water. Mm-hmm. Not just you, all of us, all yeah. of us are victims of how we speak to ourselves. Absolutely. Um, and so I guess, yeah. So what, what I guess the, my question was, was like, when you decided to get it done, you know, you had accomplished stuff. You, I I think in your post, you had said you would, you already had both kids Mm -hmm. and then you had the surgery. So I I don't need to know how old you were. Let's just say how many years ago was it that they went in?
0: Seven years to the day. It was taken out on the same day they were put in.
1: (laughs) That's fascinating. Yeah. Um, And completely quote unquote by chance, but an absolute sign,
0: right? I believe so.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. So seven years ago, you're in a mental spot where you're like, Uh, Explain seven years ago, before you went in, before it all, before you had the operation.
0: So I had two kids. They were quite little. And um, I felt that I had given up my body for the development of them. And now reclaiming my body and my identity back, I felt that it was an empowering move on my part to be doing that for myself, to myself. So at that time, I didn't think that I was doing anything wrong. I actually thought that this was, you know, a treat for myself, a way to reclaim my body back and, and take care of me because I had just felt that the last few years before that was, you know, given to my children, my body was given to making them, it had changed as a result of that. And um, I had, in my mind, I had told myself, you know, after having kids, if I, don't develop a pair of boobs because some people will say that it changes. So don't, you know, don't modify yourself until after you've had your children. And then when they had gone back to being completely exactly the way that they were before, I thought, you know what? Let's just do this and my body will look more proportioned and I will feel whole. Mm-hmm. Little did I know I didn't feel any wholer. <laughs> I felt stuck. I did not like them.
1: So wow. So you 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 did everything that you thought you were supposed to do. You even took the advice of your friends. You waited, you waited, you waited. And then you said, you know what, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and at what point were they in? Was there any point that they were in where you were like, this is this is good. I like this. For Was there like a week or anything like that?
0: Hmm, I always felt them. And that annoyed me too mm-hmm. much. They're, I would try to tell myself they're in now. So now, you know, snap out of it, just enjoy it. They look good. There was nothing wrong with them. Mm. Um, But I didn't like how I felt.
1: And that's not something that a lot of people talk about. They don't, you know, and that people see, people always see the green grass. They say the grass is greener, but that's just literally where you're looking. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so many people want to get this. I've seen so many women talk about, you know, implants and this, that, and the other thing and as a male i don't have an opinion on it i mean my only opinion on implants for the longest time was like me personally i didn't like them right but then i then i then said to myself uh you know as a man who went balding at a very young age i said i could see myself with hair implants uh you know back then and Mm -hmm. it wasn't about i realized it wasn't about them it was about me right so my whole i didn't like them with regards to breast implants is, is an arrogant, irrelevant thing for me to say, think, or do. I mean, it is my preference. I'm allowed to have a preference. But when, you under, when I understood that it was like, nobody's doing this for anybody other than themselves because I would never have gotten hair implants for other people, just how, I made, how it made me feel. Right. And so that's exactly how I always viewed implants for women. Mm-hmm. And it's so this is why, you know, this is one of those things where there's a lot of women out there that wouldn't have this conversation, the one that you're having right now. And there's a lot of women that listen to the show and some of them I assume are contemplating or have contemplated the idea of implants. And that's why I love this information that's going out there. First off, it's empowering. And second off, there has to be a contrast or something to add new information to anyone that's looking to do some, some sort of augmentation, some sort of drastic augmentation to their body. Yeah. Would you say most of it, I mean, it's not like, you know, from your experience and from what you went through, would you say that it was 90% you or 90% what you thought they would think? Or not 90%, but like, was it more you or more how you were to be perceived?
0: A bit of both, I would say, because I had convinced myself that I really wanted it. Mm -hmm. And if if somebody was giving me the information that perhaps I'm giving today, Mm -hmm. I may have ignored them. Yeah. I wouldn't have listened to them. I wouldn't have believed them because I was so sure that this was what I wanted. Mm -hmm.
1: So, what are some of the drawbacks now? Let's talk about year one. You've got them in, the healing has, quote unquote, healed. The doctor says, go nuts, have fun. You know, you're not in any danger, they're not going to explode. Um, You know, what, how did you feel after you were sort of out of the surgical water and, and throughout year one? Did and this again, you you went seven years. So Mm -hmm. according to you, it was a a battle almost the whole time. Mm -hmm. But how was year one? You know, were there were there pros? Were there pros to this? Because I definitely want to get into some of the cons because you when you rattled off the quote unquote cons, you did it in such a way that you put it in you put me the reader in your Mm -hmm. shoes. And it was phenomenal that I was able to sort of I, I understood what you were saying. And I was able to feel what you were feeling. And that was quite, quite the, I uh, will talk about that too. I want to know how you wrote that so well on Facebook. I said to your, I said, to your <laughs> husband, I said he, he, you must've done it on a word processor, like Microsoft word. And then linked it over. He says, nah, she just wrote it. I'm like, well, like, what was year one? Like, what were the pros of year one?
0: So year one, I was super excited to be able to go out and buy new bras and clothes and you know, dress myself up like I was a Barbie doll. Actually, I didn't want to be a Barbie doll. I I told them I'm a mom and I don't want to look like, you know, somebody who (laughs) who's done to the nines. You know, I still want to look like a mom, but I want to feel like myself. I want to also be, you know, I want to be sexy for my partner. I want to just feel like myself and not feel like a housewife or feel like anything other than, you know, who I want to be and what I want to become. I had goals. I wanted to have a career and, and all this stuff. And when you're having kids and starting that side of your life, it's, it's busy. And there's a lot of things that, you know, take your attention here and there. So it gets pretty complicated to, um, to focus on one thing. Mm. So by doing what I could control and modify myself, that's where I felt like my power was. And then I was kind of reclaiming my identity that way. So it felt empowering. Um, I had the support of my friends. I had people help me, um, and it and it felt good, although I was surprised that finding clothes wasn't that easy. Finding bras wasn't that easy, so it 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 kind of dampened right at the beginning when I hit the reality that I would possibly be paying two hundred dollars for bras, and I don't have I didn't have anything I needed to support necessarily. So I was like, wow, I didn't sign up for that. I didn't know that that would be something that I would have to do. And then trying on new clothes, it was different because they're they're inserted underneath the muscle. So they're sitting on your rib cage underneath the muscle. Well, at least for me, it's not for everyone. And um, so putting clothes over my neck was fine, but then pushing it downward, it would get stuck. So some garments of clothing, I couldn't even get over my body. <laughs> and if I wasn't able to get in through my legs, then I would not be able to wear that outfit. So that became a bit of a... You know, deceiving factor in that, because I was like, okay this is this is not what I thought this would be. I mean you you get the idea that you know if they are gonna be under your muscle, they're not gonna move all that much, it's not your natural fat, so you do have an idea, but when you are experiencing it in your own body, it's different, and then you start comparing with other people that have them and asking them questions, and then they would say, "Oh, I don't have that issue or oh I don't have that issue, and then I started questioning myself like oh man, what's going on? <laughs> what have I done? And, you know, so now they're in me and I'm, I had made that decision. So I was just really focusing hard to concentrate on. This is, this is my reality. Now I'm, I'm going to have to accept the decision that I made. I, I put a lot of money into it, I put a lot of thought into it. I put my, myself under the knife, under anesthesia. I got big surgery that was risky. I, I had to commit. I wanted to to tough it out. And they say, you know, give it a few years. It could take sometimes three years to get them to look more natural because the skin either needs to form or they just need to loosen and you need to massage that area so that the muscle has a chance to expand and take its shape. So they did tell you off the bat, you know, be patient and give yourself some time because I wasn't somebody who was naturally well endowed in that area. So it's not like I had a bag, of skin that they could just put them in that they would plop really had to, to create a boob out of nothing.
1: And that's actually something that, that, you know, that can be touched upon. I mean, there's so many variations of implants that, that, that can be done. Yes, There are women that have a large breast that they they get deflated after childbirth and that sort of stuff. Mm So, you know, you're talking about them going in under the muscle and I've never, I don't understand how that would work. Like what, that would, that would change the way you lift things
0: up. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. So, so they, you can't train somebody to know how that is going to feel like, because when you're lifting something, it's not, you're not lifting against something on the outside, you're lifting against something on the inside. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can mentally prepare somebody for that because you can't guarantee how they're going to feel with them.
1: I'm I, you know, as a, you know, we're, we're all humans and we've all got pecs and we've all got a chest mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself right now, I mean, one of my favorite moves and i know that you're um, extremely active
0: mm-hmm.
1: one of my favorite moves is uh the deadlift and uh the bench press and people will say the bench press is terrible the deadlift is terrible but you know i don't care i'm telling you the deadlift is one of the greatest things you could possibly do and that is a lot of that is is packed from stress from lifting i couldn't imagine s- as i sit here and, and and as i'm forced to think about it now in my pack mm-hmm. i'm I feel the tension, and everybody knows what um, you know what you're talking about when you talk about like the pump or whatever, where your muscles are just really inflated properly. Mm-hmm. That's against bone. So if you were to give yourself yeah. a solid workout in the gym, you mm-hmm. now have an entirely different set of mental parameters with regards to your body. Is that would that be safe to say?
0: Can you rephrase that?
1: Like. Your, I'm I'm thinking about the muscle, the muscle grows against the bone. So your natural resting spot would be muscle bone, muscle grows over yeah. bone strengthens you. But now yeah. you've got, you've got something in between muscle and bone. Yes. So a big now, something.
0: It wasn't yeah. a little something. It was a big something.
1: Did you, did you ask them why they went under the muscle? Did that ever come up?
0: It, because I didn't have the skin on top. It wouldn't have been an option necessarily. So there are people, especially those who do a lot of muscle lifting, that will go that route and put it under their skin. Um, But then there's, there's a whole bunch of different reasons why you would or why you wouldn't. But for me, because I didn't have the skin to go into, it wasn't necessarily an option because... they didn't have anywhere to go. So we had to build a boob out of the chest that I had and inserting it underneath the muscle gave it a place to go. Um, And then the skin would stretch and develop over time. So in the beginning, it was my skin was getting stretched out like into an oblivion because I didn't have the skin required for that size of an implant. And we chose an implant that would suit my body. It wasn't that I wanted to go like, super huge or anything. I told them I didn't want to look like a porn star that I had two young children. And I I just wanted to, to feel better about myself and look more proportioned because I was insecure about my belly that, you know, had had two kids that was loose. And here I was thinking, I look hideous and I wanted to fix that. <laughs> right. Um, totally guess. ignoring that I could eat better exercise. And I knew all these things because my education is in health sciences. So I, I knew all of it, mm-hmm. but I ignored it because I didn't want to, I didn't want that. You know, I, I didn't want, I wanted to do what all the other people were doing. I wanted to feel as happy as they looked like they were. And I wanted to experience that myself and
1: which it is just kind
0: of like snowballed from there. Right. It's, it's crazy. It's such
1: a, it's such a, it is. It's such a thing. Like when, when people talk about like your Instagram or your, your Facebook, like people talk about how, you know, we're only showing the highlight reel mm-hmm. and, and that's true, but that's also the truth for life. Like in life, everything that we think about ourselves is sort of for the most part, like a negative or down or something. And then we look at other people who are laughing and smiling for that brief instant that you you're, you're crossing their gaze. And you think, Mm -hmm. look how happy they are, right? That person could be, you know, they could be thinking anything, but it's your mind that says, I'm going to only spot the highlight reel. Yeah. So nobody ever really has the opportunity or the ability to ask themselves the deeper questions or, or do they, nor do they really want to. I mean, it's like, this is, this is a massive perpetuation that goes through everybody at all times. It's when you want to beat yourself up, you're going to beat yourself up. You took an entire education and said, Uh, that's not, you know, you just ignored it. Like you said, health sciences, you're like, ah, you know, half my life, I learned about this stuff. And I'm like, well, let's, you know, let's do this instead.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. When there's a will, there's a way and we'll ignore our better judgment to do that. And that's where I struggled when they were in, because then I had an inner conflict.
1: So let's jump now to, it's time to take them out. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk about a few things here, but I want to talk about primarily, or not like right at the gate. Let's talk about your writing process with this post. How did you write something so articulate on Facebook? Um, and and how long did it take? And did you use a processor? How, what was the, what was the point? And and ladies and gentlemen, um, if she's if she's okay with it, what we'll probably do is we'll we'll put a direct link to that in the in the podcast, so you guys can read it. So we'll put it in the show notes.
0: Yep, that's um, fine with
1: me. Yeah, if you're okay with that. <laughs> But it, it, it was such a, such a solid post. And this is, this is definitely a coup to your writing acumen but how did you write that so well? And, and what were you, what was going through your mind when you decided to, to put something so personal out there? And again, I mean, talking about so personal, you're on the show right now talking to thousands of people mm-hmm. and that's really cool.
0: Um, but, it's very cool <laughs>
1: <laughs> and i hope I hope that this episode helps a lot of people, you know, me too just understand things about themselves and what you know what they may think, see or do. Maybe ask one or two more extra questions before surgery and and that sort of thing. But back to you writing writing that post had to have been something monumental for you as well, the act of doing it
0: yes, it was it terrified me to to share this because I knew that it would it would cause a rift it it would upset people and i needed to be careful about how i was going to deliver it because it is personal and i didn't want to come out as a preaching you know this is bad don't do it because i feel like there's so much of that on the internet right now that we're not we're losing the connection with people on a more intimate level and because of the highlight reel like you're talking about, people don't know what I'm going through. They see the pictures. They see that I'm I'm happy. I'm smiling. I don't look like I'm in any pain. I don't look like I'm suffering at all. So it would be a bit of a surprise to just start posting pictures of myself and I'm looking completely different. Mm-hmm. I felt like this was an opportunity to give some context without being like, hey, look at me. I got you know, I got my implants removed or start waiting for the, why do you look so different? You know, kind of thing. I said, I have an opportunity right now to share something that I think could, could help a lot of people because they definitely don't talk about, you know, the side of implants of living with them or the the struggles you may have with them. And, you know, they give you a paper to read when they sign your consent form and you know, all that on paper, but it's different hearing it from somebody who's experienced it in real life. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to to touch on that because, you know, maybe there's a stigma with it. Maybe there isn't. But there's definitely no conversation about taking your life back to save your life because you're not feeling well. And the decision I made seven years ago, I was working a desk job, is quite different than what I'm doing today where I'm physically active and I've moved to a farm. So I'm doing a lot of physical labor and less of, you know, crunching things on a computer. Mm -hmm. So my day-to-day life looks entirely different. Why would I need to be a prisoner in my own body if my body is causing me pain, Mm -hmm. right? My lifestyle changed, so why would I need to be trapped because of a decision I made seven years ago in fears to disappoint everybody that I had to convince seven years ago this is why I want to do it. <laughs> 100%. I lost friends when I did that because they they saw me as a different person. I wasn't in integrity with who they who they knew me as, but then I had this selfish side of me that was like, well, so what, this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm doing now. And I kind of dismissed that and realizing that, you know, part of them were right. I did lose myself along that way, but I wanted to just real. I wanted it to just come from a place of authenticity without hurting anybody, without harming anybody, but also without looking for sympathy, because it wasn't something that I wanted to have and become a victim and looking for, for attention. I really wanted to touch base on, you know, who else could be going through this, who else has this in their mind and their, and they they can't get anybody to talk to them about it. Right. And so I received a lot of private messages of people saying, you know, thank you for sharing that because that really helped me today and that was why I knew I was doing it 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 was terrifying I, cr- I would be crying when I was writing it because it was it was coming out so many words wanted to come out and it, it, the day after I would look and I was like okay that's too much I'm rambling and this and that so I did do it on a processor but it was on my phone so it was on my Samsung notes hmm. it's still on a small screen
1: oh yeah yeah
0: and I read it over and over and over and then you know I would I would try to put myself in the reader's shoes and see okay am i am i going on a tangent where now i'm telling people what to do because my intention was not to tell people what to do i just wanted them to know what, what i lived through so yeah. that if they're going through something they can also feel comfortable not necessarily sharing it but just knowing that you know what i don't have to be stuck in something that i don't want to you know i wanted to inspire that if you need to change something in your life to make it better, then do it. Don't wait for other people to tell you what to do, tell you how to do it, tell you that you, you know what, this was your choice and you have to live with that consequence. That's one thing that I think is recurring these days oh, yeah. is that phrase, you know, there's consequences to choices. And I felt that, you know what, no. If you want to change something and you need to because your body is screaming bloody murder, then you need to do it. Mm-hmm. I, if I was waiting for a doctor to tell me that I was sick, I would have waited a long time. I wasn't sick. Yeah. There was nothing about me that was sick on paper. I went to check it out, but I wasn't feeling well. I wasn't feeling myself. I was cranky all the time. I was tense yeah. to the point of like wanting to jump out of my own skin. And for a long time, I was looking for external sources again to fix that. Oh, maybe I need to work out more. Maybe I need to monitor my food intake. Maybe I need to just go out for a walk. Mm-hmm. I even quit drinking alcohol for since it's been a year and a half now. I haven't drank at all. And I you... thought that that would have been the answer. And then I would have felt m- miraculous, but it didn't even do the whole thing that I was looking for, although it did help a lot, <laughs> oh, but
1: absolutely. not enough, Absolutely, not enough. On that on that token, I mean, one of the things that I absolutely preach with anyone that I work with is to is to give up drinking just for 60 mm-hmm. days to see how you feel. And our mutual friend went ahead and did that. And mm-hmm. you know, so you have you have witnessed that would have been about a year and a half ago too, maybe a little bit more.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but I mean that that in and of itself changes a lot.
0: Oh life changing in in such a positive way. It's yeah. it's and and that in itself is a whole other aspect of it, because when you're in that mode of wanting to, you know, socialize and drink with your friends, you create, you make all those excuses as well. And, um, my father passed away from liver disease. And so it started to just become clear to me that why is it that I'm okay with drinking when it took my father's life, Mm -hmm. you know? So these are, it's kind of like building on You know, what am I doing? Why am I doing these things to myself and, and trying to see it from the inside and not looking at for answers on the outside?
1: Well, it, 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 it goes along with what we're talking about here because it's even medication. Like we Mm -hmm. look at, you know, I know the way you think and, and you, you know, the way I think on a lot of things. And, you know, one of my favorite sentences, you know, statements was nobody in a movie where somebody's trying to kill themselves, like in a suicide scene in a movie, they always go to the medicine cabinet. Like nobody goes to the, nobody goes to the crisper and tries to kill themselves on broccoli, you know, um, and, and humanity as a whole has decided that this pill is okay. If I take one or two of them, but I know that if I take the whole jar, I'll die. Yep. So how do we, how do we, as a, as an entire society say to ourselves, I'm okay with taking one or two, but if I take them all, I'll die. How have we justified that? And it's the same with drinking. I can have one or two, but if I drink 10 of them, I'll die. Oh, Oh, well, you know, let's, let's all be consistent here. You know, it's all, it's all about willpower. What willpower you're consuming poison. And I'm not going to get preachy on it. I mean, I, it's been five years, hard to believe, but five years since I quit. And one of the things that, that the, the, well, the one sentence that really pushed me over the edge was there isn't a single person on this planet that said, I quit drinking and my life turned to shit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, I've never heard anyone say that.
1: So And it is, it's like your mind changes, your mind, your mind in that essence, your mind changes drastically because all of your motivating factors, you're no longer occupying the time drinking at the bar. You're no longer occupying the time being groggy that night and the next day. Mm -hmm. You're no longer occupying the time pre-bar giving up the things you should be doing while you daydream about being at the bar with your friends. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that everybody should go through it. I think that everybody should experience their twenties. I think they should, you know? but I think that there's a time where, you know, you can put it away and people could say, well, you could still have one or two. And I totally agree with that. I'm not knocking that. I -hmm. am just saying though, that, you know, if you drank 20, you might die. Acute alcohol poisoning. But this is also one of those things too, where, you know, with regards to where we are, what we think, and how we do seven years ago, you made a decision. Mm -hmm. And in the time that you made a decision, you were in a spot where it made sense. Yes. Humanity has this desire to be right about everything. So, there would have been an, an internal battle inside you. And I, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but there, there may have been an internal battle inside you that said, I made this decision. I'm not going to back out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? As, yeah. opposed to, as opposed to saying to yourself, it was right for me at the time. It's wrong for me at this time. It's time to move on from this, this position. You know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And he, we can't seem to do that. We're so desperately in this, this desire to be, I made the right decision. Well, sure you did. And, and this is one thing that a lot of people will forego. If you're listening right now and you have implants and you've been thinking about getting them gone, when you made that decision, it was the right decision for you to make because it, mm-hmm. it created the version of you that understood what, what you went through. Yes. And now for you, removing them was the right decision for you to make because you seven years later are an entirely different person.
0: Absolutely. And, <laughs> yes. and Very as, much.
1: Exactly. So as we sit here and have this conversation, to anyone listening you are not the same person that you were when you started listening to this show because you've taken on new information mm-hmm. if you've ever had an issue with anything whether it's drinking whether it's body image thing you know whether it's any of this stuff and you're making these decisions for yourself and you've made a decision understand that you're not nobody ever anchored you to anything that you ever decided to do it is okay to change your mind yes <sighs> i i don't know there's there's so much more to the story so tell me now how you feel so they've been out now for a little while and two weeks two weeks she says listen to her so cheery two
0: weeks (laughs) (laughs) and i don't miss them at all like i thought i would you know have them close by and reminisce and all that stuff and they are just in a bag in my room as just something that i can just hey put in someone's hand feel how heavy this is and it's just like i don't have to carry this anymore how heavy was it five pounds each. No, no, they were like probably two pounds each.
1: Two, two and a half. Yeah. Wow. And people will say, well, five pounds ain't much, right? But like, how tall are you? I'm five foot six. So your frame carrying around an additional five pounds forever Mm -hmm. is brutal. And this goes to all you overweight people out there too. Five pounds makes a huge difference. I'm overweight myself. So the more you, the more you lose, the better you move. Now with you having a, completely removed. How does your chest feel and how does it your heart feel?
0: feels so good? Oh. So when I had them in, I would constantly say, I wish I could just take them out and put them on the shelf so that I could have a little break. And it felt exactly what I was dreaming about. It it creates so much pressure and it's like your muscle is creating um, an eccentric flex every time you do something because your muscle is stretched before you contract. So it's constantly tearing and it's constantly working. And so the insertion points on my muscles in my shoulders on my sternum, they were starting to burn and burn like in pain, so much pressure all the time in my upper back, my back, my whole body was slanted forward just slightly, but enough that my hamstrings were constantly flexed. So it was creating like a flat bum kind of situation. And I look at, you know, older women or, or women that I carry, like, I'm, I'm an apple shape. If I'm to be overweight, I'm not a voluptuous or pear shaped woman. So I don't carry my weight that way. I'm very ch- like chesty belly, not boob fat, but just like, you know, back fat, belly fat. So very apple shaped individual Delicious. Um, and, um, still a fruit, Yeah. still a shape. But I would it would Absolutely. lean forward so that this is the type of body that we have in my family. So I look at like you know the older ladies and that's what they do. They they are they're leaning forward to support the extra weight that they're carrying around their abdomen, and so their hamstrings are perpetually tight. Their lower back is always you know tight, and. I got to experience that and I'm like why am I getting flat bum but mm-hmm. it's because I was always leaning forward to to compensate for this weight and now that it's gone my hamstrings have fully relaxed my shoulders have fully relaxed I have mobility in places that I haven't had in years And like my, my, I was able to reset to like a default, like as if my parasympathetic nervous system never had a chance to kick in to relax my body. Mm. So it was always under a perpetual stress. So were the implants making me sick medically directly? No, but the stress that the environment of my body was creating itself was causing so much harm that it was giving me prone to injury, um, fatigue, adrenal fatigue, just brain fog, all of these things. And now it's wiped out, gone overnight. I slept like a friggin' baby. <laughs> the first night I had them out like stitches and all, it felt better than feeling what I was feeling before going to have them removed.
1: That's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, what you're talking about there too, a lot of the things that you're talking about there, and this is something that people don't look at is, you know, I want to go to the gym. I want to get fit. You just spoke on an entirety of the benefits of functional pattern fitness mm-hmm. and functional pattern is like, you know, what, you know, why do I have a flat ass? Well, you're arched funny. You've got a, you know, you're pro lean. You're, you know, there's so many things that, that one twinge can change all of this stuff. Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, that's, that's a huge thing. Like me personally, I suffer from something called TMJ and it's a mm-hmm. shame because TMJ affects your jaw. So like, if you, I don't know if you've ever stressed out your jaw, but yep. it. So I'm, I'm, when it flares up, I get like a month long permanent stress on my jaw. And that comes from how I do my functional patterns. So I laugh now because you know, my, 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 money moneymaker is my mouth and when it hurts, <laughs> it's offensive to me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is, this is the thing like, and functional patterns change the way your jaw works. So why I bring that up is because if I, if, if I throw something out in my back, it will link up through the nervous system to my jaw, to my tongue. And I could only imagine having something jammed in there, right? So yeah. when you pulled out, and again, too, even though there's nothing on the the saline bag or anything like that, uh, your body will naturally try to remove mm-hmm. a foreign something. Yeah. So your body was at war for seven years. Absolutely. And that, I could only, yeah. So when, when that comes out, it's just like unreal. Um, And functional patterns, ladies and gentlemen, too, while we're on the topic, if you've not heard about this, just Google the word functional patterns and see if this functional pattern fitness, see if this is something that may benefit you in your current cantation of of working on yourself.
0: Mm -hmm. And if I can make a comment to that, because I was not necessarily trying to inch my way out, you know, losing weight in a certain area, it was instant. Mm -hmm. I could feel the effect instantaneously. So previous to that, I had, you know, been working on the farm. So I was naturally losing weight from just, you know, doing my, my day to day stuff. And I noticed a huge difference on my ankles, on my knees, you know, just from having a lot less weight. Um, But in terms of losing five pounds overnight, I, I could feel the exact areas that were under stress big time, mainly the upper back, And it makes sense because you're, you're leaning forward, the shoulders are being pulled forward. So there was a huge amount of tension in that arcing area behind the shoulder blade or between the shoulder blades, it would burn. And now it doesn't even hurt to the touch. Whereas before, if I would touch it, it felt like it was bruised constantly. And I do photography. So I'm constantly leaning forward. And then I have all this weight from my camera, from my chest. And it was just causing so much, so much pain in the upper back And now it is gone, completely gone. And when I've gone to see the chiropractor once, they said one pound of belly fat removes eight pounds of pressure off the back. So you could just imagine, because now we're going even higher up when you're leaning forward. It's, I think I took more pressure off my back than eight pounds per pound.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you did too, because remember, I mean, like when you were talking about that, you're like, it's under the muscle. So the muscle the muscle that if you picture your pec muscles it's connected to every other muscle right all of our muscles are intertwined believe it or not ladies and gentlemen we're one giant machine so if there's tension here there's tension right around somewhere else yeah, yeah right around your and and that's what they say too like if if you do too much bench press for example and you work these muscles out it's naturally mm-hmm. going to pull your shoulders forward yeah so if you're benching you have to you know do something for the back because you have to give equal opposite to to your back so that you don't have this. And a lot of people, you'll see a lot of guys that don't work their back enough or a lot of people, if they've got the anterior shoulders like, like that, then they're in constant back pain They didn't even know why, but it's because all of these muscles are tight and pulling them together. Yeah. Right? And so your whole body is, is, is such a, um, it's, it's such a perfect machine that anything that we put into it changes the way it functions. And absolutely. And the weird thing is we're not even allowed to acknowledge that right?
0: No. Or you'll be made out to be crazy. So I've been riding my body for, I'm turning 40 this year. So I've been riding in my body for 40 years, Mm -hmm. but then you're not you, but people are telling me that I'm at the mercy of what the doctor says about me and what they tell me that I have. I don't think that that's, that's right. Because I know in my body when something isn't working Mm -hmm. and if I'm seeking doctors for help and all they're doing is giving me pills, well, they, do they even know anything about bodies?
1: I I equate this to um, uh, there's there's a there's a group of I don't know there's a, there's an ideology that you know you we are a body with a soul. Mm-hmm. Um, I firmly believe that we are the soul riding in and around a meat suit. Yes. So this confuses people, <laughs> especially when you use the term meat <laughs> suit. But that's, you know, I got that from uh, Supernatural, the old TV show back in the day. I like it. So you get here. Um, it's much like it's much like, um, like scuba diving. If you want to go into that environment, you have to sign a contract uh, mm-hmm. that says if you die, it's not on them. Um, and you have to sign a contract before you come here. To me, uh, I'm very familiar with the term soul contract. I'm not sure if you are. Yes, I am. And so you sign your soul contract, you put on your meat suit and you come into this environment. Just like if you go scuba diving, you sign your, don't, you sign your, you know, your, your contract, you put on their suit and you go into their environment, the corral, <laughs> what have you. And when we understand that we're in a perfectly well-oiled machine, you know, if you want to equate it to something much simpler, it's like when you get into your car, you can get into your car and it's, it's not, you, you aren't your car, you're in it and you're riding around. And you can take it to the mechanic and you can say to the mechanic, it's making this noise. It's doing this. I've had this car for 20 years. It's pulling a little bit to the right and you probably can't tell it, whatever, but I can tell that it's doing something different. So the mm-hmm. mechanic will look at your car, run it through diagnostic and tell you're crazy. There's nothing wrong with your car, mm-hmm. right? But you're telling them that you can feel it. So when somebody says to you, you know, you, the doctors know more than you because they've studied it. No, no, that I, every single one of us is different. There is a blanket exactly. approach to everything. I'm also of the firm belief and this is the kind of thing that gets me in trouble and, and Facebook jailed that <laughs> all Eastern medicine is designed to keep you broken even though now it helps people are like well no I take these pills and it helps me now I'm like yes that's because of uh, after a lifetime of eating the food that they've made you eat
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and and becoming the sick that they made you become you know yeah,
0: so exactly
1: so yes now there are times where like at my at my stage in the life that they're like you need to take these pills for the rest of your life, it's a high likelihood that I'll have to take those pills or at least do the thing about whatever it is that that changes whatever I'm doing. And for the most mm-hmm. part, a, pe- a lot of people will dismiss that, but it's like fasting, for example, is one of the greatest things that anybody can do for themselves.
0: Yeah, the absence of things we tend to add and add and add. Yeah, <laughs> when exactly. we just remove, then our body can, has a chance to fix itself.
1: Exactly, which brings me back to what you've done. You have mm-hmm. fasted your body from the foreign objects, the Western objects yeah. that not only did the West tell you, you needed to feel good about yourself, but then handed you and then told you there was nothing wrong with you, mm-hmm. you know, when it was all there. So it's funny because, you know, this is all the authority, the people, the things that the people that you turn to when you think, I don't know how to do this for myself. Meanwhile, you're the whole time, you know how to do it for yourself. So seven years ago, when you were, when you were very much living in the third dimension, implants went in. Yeah. And, and now that your mind, body, and soul drift freely between third and fifth, but primarily rest and fifth,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they had to come, they had to go. They had to go. Yeah.
0: They were no but, longer serving me.
1: Yeah. And, and, and even the Bible says, get rid of what no longer serves. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that's true. I may have just made that up. I don't know, but it's a good book apparently.
0: So, and it's still amazing that we will still seek other excuses before the obvious one. Yeah. Because what was, interesting about this is that because it's under my skin and nothing else about me was, was sick. Mm-hmm. I had to decide to get myself cut open yeah. to, to be able to take them out. So the psyching yourself to go through a surgery, to remove something, you know, you're, you're entering a risk that I could be getting sicker from another surgery than if I was to do nothing. Mm-hmm. So that was part of the the struggle to decide do I do it or do I not do it? Do I hate them enough to, or am I discomfortable enough to want to go through pain on top of already being in pain and then having another healing session? We don't know what that's going to look like. You know, it could have, it could have, when they opened it up, they could have been like, wow, these are, you know, destroyed. Now we have to do all this cleanup. Luckily it was the best case scenario and there was no issues. So we had them out in time. I didn't have to deal with that, but surely some people will open them up and see that, oh, they, you know, they, they got torn. Now we have to go in there and clean. And that's a very invasive surgery and can be even more dangerous. And so you're, you know, you're thinking of all the risks and do, do I do that? Am I healthy enough to, to even heal from that kind of surgery? Right. So there's so many, so many things that go on in our mind, but then where I'm at now is how does it feel? Mm. Does it feel right? Does it, does this feel good to me? So I had to imagine how do I think I will feel all said and done when I'm healed. And to me that felt right. And so it was easy for me to make that decision at that point to, okay, let's just go for it. Mm. Now, as I worried that like all the COVID stuff would delay and all that stuff. Sure. But I made the calls and we had the consultation and then I, I left it to chance and then they called me on a cancellation and said, you want to come today? Yeah. So that was a bit of a like, whoa, now what do I do? Do I like, I wasn't ready for that today. I had decided I was going to clean the house, do my spring cleaning, have everything set up so that once I had it done, it wasn't going to inconvenience anybody. Because remember, this is a cosmetic surgery that I'm choosing for myself. Not everybody's excited for you when you do those types of procedures, right? Mm -hmm. It if you're inconveniencing other people to help you because you're handicapped for a cosmetic surgery, I didn't grow up in I that environment say, with people around me. They would yeah. they weren't super keen on the idea in the first place.
1: I would so say I that felt this, guilt. The, I felt guilt. I honestly in my from listening to your story and and I would say that this wasn't cosmetic surgery. I would say putting them in was I would say taking them out was was mandatory. This was a oh, this was definitely lost. So this wasn't a cosmetic yeah. surgery. I can only imagine, however, knowing what I know about the human brain or, or, or how, the, how a human mind works, you know, psyching yourself up for getting it done would have been a whole process. Mm-hmm. Psyching yourself up, knowing that it's going to be two, three weeks away, is one solid process. Mm-hmm. Getting that phone call must have completely thrown you into a topspin. Being oh like, oh my gosh, do I do it now? And it's just ripping the bandit off. You're like, fuck it, we're going, you know, like, mm-hmm. and that's one of those things that just really makes it that much more real because I would say having, having done what you did and knowing what I know again about humanity and about the journeys that we're all on, there's no version of you that didn't do this. And there's no version of you that, that that didn't learn from grow and become a much stronger version of yourself having done exactly what you did. Mm -hmm. It it was that process. It was, it was putting them in. It was feeling yourself. It was understanding that you no longer needed this to make yourself feel anything. Um, with regards to what outside society said, like you became a, a much stronger version of yourself from the process. Absolutely. So that's, you know, when they, we talk about pros and cons, people are like, no, it's all terrible. I'm glad they're gone. Fuck it. I became nobody, you know, but that's not true at all. No. Uh, the pain, the struggle, the strife, the decisions, the choices, all of that stuff weighed into a life, a life that, that seven years later said, you know, we're not, we're, we're not having it.
0: Exactly. And I have, My kids are older now and I want to, I want to be a good role model for them. My daughter is preteen and so is my son. They're only a year and a half apart and I want them, I want to model proper things for them. Proper as in like what feels right for me in the moment. Obviously I'm not perfect and I can't predict the future, but I want to be authentic in the present time with yeah. them and and help them honor their bodies because they're already starting like oh you know my my son plays hockey he has a hockey butt he gets teased for having you know muscles around his butt that are bigger than than the other kids that don't play hockey or my daughter who you know, her friends are all in puberty and she's the only one that hasn't hit puberty yet. So she's feeling inadequate. She hasn't caught up to everybody yet. So I'm constantly trying to remind them, you know, your body is perfect. Your body's okay. But then I'm giving them this advice and then they're looking at me like, what? You yeah. know, I wasn't really, you know, I'm trying to be authentic with them and it was coming from a pure place, but I felt like, how are they going to believe me if, you know, I'm giving them advice that I don't even take myself? So I felt like I needed to, to put myself in that position where, you know what, I'm going to be, I'm going to show them that when we make these decisions, it's okay to change our mind. And now with the, the kids that are super confused about like sexuality and where they're going with what, I feel like there's an urgency for me to, to help them feel how they should be feeling and not let themselves be influenced. Because in my generation, it was breast implants. Now it's like Botox and fillers and all that. And I don't know where it's going, but it doesn't feel like it's going to be any better than that, no. you know? So I want them to make good decisions and trust themselves, but have the, a role model that did it before them to be like, okay, you don't want to do that. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Well, I know that your kids have um, a leg up on a lot of things. Uh, with regards to the way uh, you guys both think. And, you know, there's, there's so much that goes in there. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you are talking about your your daughter and how all of her friends are hitting puberty and she's not, I'm thinking to myself as somebody who's, who's lived through a lot of stuff that that's actually a massive bonus. Totally. Because that, that, well, that means that that what you've given her and, and what she's been eating and ingesting over the mm-hmm. past little while, hasn't been filled with all of, <clears throat> excuse me, all of those unnatural hormones.
0: No. And this we knew we woke up to the food industry stuff like way before anything else. Yeah. And, you know, they still get their their fare of of treats, but they definitely are not drinking, you know, boosted hormone cow's milk and and that type of stuff. Now we're getting to drink natural cow's milk because we have a cow that's giving us milk. Yeah. Um, But we've changed our, our lifestyle to be able to have more health yeah so eating better by growing our own food, raising our animals that we we have for pets and for meat. So it was like we're we're doing all these changes to to benefit our health and our lifestyle and to you know get off the devices and and constantly being on TV because it doesn't feel fulfilling for our life to just constantly be plugged to you know a television and and whatnot. Yeah. and so again, it it just didn't match where I was going and I was like, here I am walking around with these big implants and I'm on a farm in my, in my rubber boots. And I felt like I look so ridiculous right now, (laughs) but again, so worried about like what I look like. And it's like, how do I get this thing out of my head? And so when I wrote my post, it felt, it felt like the, the part of me that let me take in all of the, you know, the, the opinions of others, it was, it was really a, a way of releasing that need to get other people's opinions and it was like this is what i feel this is what it did for me and you can have it back yeah you know without judging anybody for how they're doing it and i really didn't want to piss anybody off i wanted them to just see me as a person and maybe they didn't see me as a person because again like the whole highlight reel if I if I was triggering what other people were aspiring to become they're not going to see or hear me as a human right and this is where I want to reclaim because I also fell for that you know materialistic chasing all these dreams that were my parents or whoever put these ideas in my head once we got there we're like what are we doing we're not accomplishing anything we have everything that our parents would have dreamed of and then we're just like that's it like now what you know <laughs>
1: that,
0: <laughs> so, so the,
1: is- the funny thing about that is like that 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 moment you just described is my 100 client avatar so mm-hmm. people are like who do you you know who do you work with normally and I say well ironically I work with the person that achieved everything white picket fence house two-car garage wife two and a half kids you yeah. achieve everything and you're like now Dog. <laughs> I'm so like what there's there's got to be more to life that's who I work with and mm-hmm. that you know that, that's that's being able to live in that space where you're just like, okay, guys, now that you've done all this, let's show you this and show you what's really going on. But what you'll find too, is that it's that point And every single, the story is the same. You have to go through the third dimension. You have to go through all that to get to that point, to be like, there's gotta be more than this.
0: Yeah. Right? It's all right. It's a passage. I, I see it now, but when yeah. you're going through it, you, you have no clue. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. Cause you're building and you're aspiring. You're like, you know what? And remember when we were kids too, they, all you would see on TV is like Freedom 55 and retirement and save for retirement. And so, for for your whole youth, our whole youth, anyone that was you know born in, in in 75 to 85, that there's a targeted demographic out there. And and we were told that that we build towards retirement, we save mm-hmm. towards retirement, and then we retire at 55 or 65 or whatever it is. Yeah. And so and nobody even thinks about what retirement is. They just like I'm working to retire, mm-hmm. right? And that's the kind of shit that really screws with people up because you all of a sudden you're like, this is no longer a goal I want to attain. Like you need purpose. You need to wake up in the morning and have something to do right up until you're 95 years old and you die, you know, skydiving, whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. You, That's the thing. So, but again, you know, we grow through this and around, it's usually around 37 where people start making, you know, 36, 37, where people start making that, that ultimate shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and they start waking up to, to certain things. And then from there, you've got this whole other life. Like you're about to be 40. Mm -hmm. So the coolest generation, like the coolest thing for you is 40 to 50 is you with a fifth dimensional mindset, building and aspiring towards something that's going to be absolutely next level. Mm -hmm. And then the decade of from 50 to 60, you literally get to do whatever you want. You're, you're pixie dust. You can be and and you can do everything. And that's, what's really cool. That's, what's really cool about sort of waking up to these things. And it's knowing that coming into the future, it's like looking back on your past going, yeah, it was kind of weird, you know, but I lived through it. I live, I drank enough to know that I no longer needed to drink. I bought the fast cars and, and all the fancy stuff to know that I don't really care about possessions. Right. You know? uh, yeah. And I, I don't know. And I look at your life too now. I mean, the, your, your Facebook is fun to watch because you've got all these, you know, you, because I know your husband and we, we did the jump from, you know, downtown Ottawa to out on the farm and, and all that sort of stuff. Like you made the rural shift. And I look at the stuff now and I think I, one of my biggest questions about farm life is this. Mm-hmm. How do you differentiate between like at what point on the animal spectrum does it go from edible to pet?
0: (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Like it's, it's
1: gotta be for somebody who's compassionate. Like you look at the cows and like, there's no difference between you and a dog. Like I, you know, I don't want to, I look at this stuff and you fall in love with these guys and you don't want to eat them. Like you, you posted recently about the baby pigs and I'm like, "Mm, bacon bits, you know, but (laughs) you know, like it's a joke, but I mean, I gave up bacon a long time ago, but they're adorable. They are yep. this adorable creature. It's like, how am I supposed to eat this thing?
0: <laughs> we yeah, exactly. And we've become so disconnected from our food that we see them as creatures that exist to, to keep us company and not necessarily as a source of nourishment. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of of reprogramming that we ourselves are doing around our food. And helping the kids too, because like we didn't grow up on farms. We didn't raise our own meat. We just understood that in order to, to know what we're consuming, we would need to get ourselves in a position where we are in control of what they're eating. And therefore, when we, when we consume them, we know that they weren't subject to too much stress, that they weren't, you know, in these feedlots up to their knees in poop, that they were treated properly, that they ate well, because their nourishment is important for our nourishment. Mm -hmm. And also connecting with the animals is important. So do we get attached? Absolutely, because we love them from the minute that they're born to the day that we say goodbye. And we teach the kids that, you know, we're going to honor our food and we're going to thank them. And when we consume them, we're not wasting them and we're incredibly grateful for the meat that we have and that we were able to to experience that that whole circle of life that in living in the city it's like you know you don't think about it and people will tell you oh I, I don't want to know what happened to the chicken and at some point if we knew how the chickens were living you wouldn't even eat them Right, You wouldn't touch them at all because it's it's inhumane. You wouldn't like it. So trying to find the balance between overkill and underkill. And ultimately, we're eating less meat because, you know, we're realizing the process and not because it's hard, but because we don't want to overdo it. Yeah. And but we do have animals that are pets and we love them. Just as much as the ones that we eat for meat, we just don't name the ones that we're going to eat, or we name them meat names. So then it's a little bit easier <laughs> to say goodbye. Like get over here, get over here, McNugget. <laughs> exactly. So, but we do treat them exactly the same as the ones that are pets, and they all they all live in harmony together, and that's that's kind of the beauty of it, and just being able to connect with them, just like the plants, like the plants that we're growing, they're alive too, and oh, yeah. so we take care of them, and and it's about reciprocity for us, like taking care of it. And it takes care of us. So no excess, no, no waste, no abuse, and just, you know, keeping it simple and being in harmony with things. But ultimately, we want to learn basic skills that if ever there's a natural disaster that wipes out, you know, all of where our food comes from, well, then we're not stuck having to figure this out from scratch in a time of stress that we're just gradually learning how to to support ourselves locally and hopefully one day teach other people how to do it and provide the community with some food that's from here and not always from somewhere else.
1: A hundred percent. And I know you guys are going to do it too. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll show up too in a, in an event of that natural disaster. I'm, I'm coming to your place. <laughs> so I, I, you know, and, and I look at this stuff and I think to myself, like, you know, when, when you, when you look at a picture from like 1960 or 1950 or whatever, and you see like the beaches, there aren't fat people. There just aren't, there aren't fat people. And all of that stems from exactly what you're saying. Like the meat that we eat, like what is meat? You know, what is it? What's your dinner? What's steak? Well, I don't know. I just went to the grocery and picked it up. Mm -hmm. Nobody knows what meat is. Nobody looks at it. Like when you look at that as like a pound of flesh, legitimate, you're like, oh, well, that's a bit different. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying be vegan. No way would I say that because that's unhealthy. You know, Mm -hmm. you have to come to terms with sort of what you said. And you said it best when you said your plants are alive too. So even if you want to be vegan, you're still killing something Mm -hmm. to eat it. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite things is uh, being in nature and meditating with trees. There's there's a meme floating around that I, I, you know, I often share because whenever I see it, I laugh because it's so true. It's like, you know, top caption says, I'm busy. It's like, I'm busy later. And then the bottom caption is later. And it's just like a a diagram of a man standing next to a tree. And it's like, let the tree become one with your aura. And I'm like, this is what I'm doing. Yeah. You can tap into and you can touch and you can, and you can connect. I mean, two of the major, the most major things that anyone can do for their health is grounding and sun gazing.
0: Yes. And this is,
1: this is something that all of society, like when you, when you go as far down the rabbit hole as I have, you think about two huge markets right now are running shoes and sunglasses. Right.
0: Yeah. And these are the two things prevent you from both. Exactly.
1: And people like, it's so natural right now for people to be like, well, you need shoes. I'm like, you don't, you know, Mm -mm. you do need shoes in this environment where you have to go into somebody's house or you have to go into a bar and there's glass and there's this and there's that. But the true environment is, you know, out in nature, you do not need shoes and you should not wear sunglasses,
0: even though. Or sunscreen.
1: Yeah, sunscreen, and, and that's another one too. People are like, "The sun gives you cancer." It's like, man, well, it's kind of more like the sunscreen gives you cancer, and the sun in moderation allows you to live freely and with more power and vitamin D. Uh, but that, you know, that's not something you could just go ahead and tell somebody. You know, that, no,
0: because the 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 media and all that have programmed us to think that these things are bad for us.
1: Hundred percent, and that's you know that's another narrative push that that we discuss here, but. I mean, I could have you back on the show and we could talk about all that stuff for sure. We we would have a lot of fun with that, but I mean, for where we are and for what the topic was on this one, how, is there anything that you, anything else that you wanted to include with this? Cause I mean, we covered a lot and you, you know, you poured your soul out and uh, thank you very much for that and for being here for sure.
0: Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, I think a big takeaway was, you know lean into that fear and find out where it really stems from. So whether it be, whether it be about implants or anything and, you know, kind of sit with things before, but like it, it became clear to me that I was ready to sabotage my own freedom because I was afraid You know, I was afraid of how I was going to feel, but I was also afraid of what it was going to look like, because at this point I had perfect boobs and I was about to go and take them out. And now I could have been disfigured forever. And that kind of gave me a bit of a shock for, for a few minutes because it was like, what if I don't like them, you know, then what am I, am I going to be, you know, what am I going to think of myself? Am I going to want to hide myself? You know, thinking like worst case scenario. But then I had to come back and be like, no, like, this is what you this is what you wanted. This is how you feel. You know, just deal with that when that happens. But freedom was right there. And I was ready to just back up and say, no, I'm going to sit with my pain longer because I'm more afraid of what that freedom can look and feel like because of the fear. Mm. So even though I had already decided I wanted to do that, I I caught myself almost convincing myself not to do it. Mm -hmm. And that can be real on so many things, whether it be like just deciding to, to take your health into your hands. Like if you knew that by doing something and it doesn't have to be crazy, it doesn't have to be chaotic. We think that we have to go through all these processes and become incredibly disciplined and it has to look a certain way. It doesn't, right? We just have to take one step towards ourselves so that we could feel better. So many people I know are living in perpetual pain with their their thyroids and their arthritis and their inflammation, but they're afraid of choosing themselves and doing something one step at a time, but they will put their trust in somebody else and let the doctor decide for them what the course of action is going to be.
1: Another thing that humanity will do is when you put your, like you said, the ladder there, when you put your trust in somebody else, you no longer have to take responsibility if it doesn't right. work.
0: Exactly. That,
1: that's a huge thing for a lot of people. They're like, well, I said, the doctor said, and then here I am. It's not on me. It's on somebody else, you know, but there's a million so, things to do with regards to inflammation and all that sort of stuff. I mean, there are things that you can do resources that you can look up spices, all that stuff
0: but there's where a we, plant
1: we on this planet to cure everything that could go yeah. wrong with you.
0: Yeah. And, and we fail to listen to our gut. Yeah. We fail to listen to our heart mm-hmm. because we're always in our head and we're always seeking more information and you're going to find information about anything and everything to support the idea that you're thinking in that minute, oh, yeah. but your gut and your heart will tell you ultimately what you need to do. And it is scary. And, but if it excites you as much as it scares you, then, you know, it's right. Yeah. That's been my, that's been a bit of my, um, That's when I know that, okay, I have to do this because it's exciting. It scares the crap out of me, but I know this is, this feels right.
1: That's magnetism for me. Like Mm -hmm. I get drawn to that. There's a saying that I absolutely adore. And it's like, if you swap out fear of the unknown for excitement for the unknown, your life changes.
0: It changes. It changes everything. And that's the message that I want to, to share with people. It's, you know, the answers are within us. It's just, we get told that so many times, but we're not guided on what that could look like and how that, what that could feel like, because either we're medicated or we're constantly distracted when we don't get to tap into it. So if you don't naturally have that kind of system working with you, you have to go and look for it yeah. and it's not going to be on TV. It's not going to be, you know, in your best friend's mind. It's going to be, it's, it's deep. We have to go look for it.
1: Yeah. And step number one on that, since we already talked about it earlier, step number one on that is to anyone listening that that decides that, you know, this is kind of a, a lifestyle or an ideology or a thought process they want to take on. Go 60 days without alcohol. Once that clears your system after 60 days, you can start making much more fresh and clear choices. And it Big blows time. people away. They're like, well, I only have one or two drinks. Every single drink resets you. So, and this isn't me being preachy, drink all you want. But I'm saying, if you've decided that you want to try something different, 60 days without alcohol, see where you are at that point.
0: Yeah. Because for me, without alcohol, my mind became more clear Mm -hmm. and I had less anxiety and just less brain fog and you sleep better. So just that in itself, your mind is clearer. Your gut is no longer under attack. So if your gut is, if your gut health is good, then your brain health is already that much better. So absolutely. You're right. So if you want to make some life altering decisions, remove the chemicals and then see how your body you know, feels after that because you could have a completely different internal experience oh, yeah. based on how we're treating our inner environment.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um I couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, um, we will probably put the liner well, I won't. I'll put the liner notes. So the the link to her uh Facebook page, hopefully directly to the post will be there. If not, it's a couple of blurbs down if you guys want to take a look at this. Now on uh, March 31st, when we're recording this, if you are listening to this years from now, um, you might not be able to find it, but it is a great, actually, you know what I'll do? I'll probably copy and paste it and make that the, the sure, line of the whole speech. That's what I'll do. That way everybody can see it, that all of you ladies and gentlemen can see it that way. <laughs> um, okay. So again, thank you so much for being here. Um, I would normally do a sign off now where I share our links and all that sort of stuff, but I'm not going to this episode was about you and I'm really happy that you came on and I'm really happy that we had this opportunity to discuss all of this. I Thank think you it, so much. I think it's great. I think it's great for the people. I think it's great for you as well. This was probably a little bit cathartic for you.
0: It's, It's been so great because I'm stepping into feeling myself and feeling better. And when, when you can get yourself to a place where you feel no pain in your body after being in pain from, you know, injuries from being an athlete and having kids and all this stuff. Like we're always constantly under so much stress and so much pain that we carry pain around. Like it's a badge of armor. Mm -hmm. And the other night I I laid in my bed and I felt no pain anywhere in my body. And I was like, wow, this feels almost weird Mm -hmm. because I'm so used to carrying pain. Right. And it's like, this is actually our birthright. This is how we should be feeling and i don't know anybody who's feeling like that everybody's carrying pain but like you're saying with the the alcohol like if we would remove pain from ourselves we would also be clearer in general and often we drink because we're in pain and we want to numb ourselves from that pain whether it be mental or physical Mm -hmm. but we don't really know that it's not healing us and it's you know chipping away at us but because we're so desperate for some kind of release Mm it doesn't matter because in that moment that feels right. And we're living momentarily when we, when we shouldn't be, <laughs> and then we're living in the future when we shouldn't be. So ultimately we should just practice being where we are now, but I do understand, you know, all of that madness because I've, I've lived through it. I, I drank a lot and the people in my family drank a lot. It was very normal. And so it, we never saw anything wrong with it, Yeah. but when it starts taking away the people that you love, then you start realizing why am I okay with it? Because something about it isn't right. And same thing with the implants. Like it, this isn't right for me anymore. I don't feel well and I want them gone. And if anybody's going to fight me on it and unless they're paying, then they shouldn't have a say in it at all.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And on that note, ladies and gentlemen, in the infamous words of red green, keep your stick on the ice.